Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter podcast for April 15th, 2022. It used to be taxed. Well, normally it's tax day, but because it's Good Friday, you got until Monday to file that extension. <laughs> I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate the use of your ears and all of that good stuff. And boy, howdy, have we got an action packed, taking over Twitter kind of day for you. Elon Musk. You got to love Elon. Got to to just be able to look at anything in the world and go, I'm going to buy that. And think you can, because you can. And to send all of these liberals wet in their panties is a glorious, glorious day for freedom. At least puts them on notice, however it works out. Anyway, you can email me, DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. More importantly, you can go and sh- support the program at Patreon.com slash Podcast, where you get bonus episodes, bonus content, and you get to... Uh, You get to enter to win the autographed book collection. Well, not the collection, individual autographed books. This week's battle is between Tom Brokaw, Tom Brokaw, NBC News, and Adam Carolla, one of the funniest people on the planet. All you do is you go to the post with that. You enter where you have comment on it and say, hey, I would like the uh, Adam Carolla book or I would like the Tom Brokaw book. You can get creative. It doesn't matter. Your name's literally thrown into a, a bucket, of, of, well, what an Easter basket. But uh, you get to uh, get a chance to win. All that for five bucks a month. And then it assuages your guilt for free riding, for free riding on the show. I'm just kidding. I appreciate everybody who listens. All right. Let's, uh, let's get on with the program because this weekend thing, which is just around the corner, ain't going to wait and we all want to get to it. We've got to start off with the uh, the big news today. <laughs> I've, you know, I've been a, I've got to toot my own horn again because nobody else is going to toot it. I have been ahead of the curve on this Elon Musk thing. He doesn't follow me on Twitter, but he damn well should. And quite frankly, he should uh, he should hire me to consult on this. He has put in an all cash offer to buy all of Twitter, the whole shebang. The whole thing he tweeted uh, this morning, I made an offer with a link to his offer through the Securities and Exchange Commission. He's offering quite a bit. He's offering more than the stock value is worth. Therefore, it is a good deal that the board absolutely has to take, um, take seriously. Will they? I don't know. Will $43 billion be enough now the market cap as of yesterday was like 39 billion dollars so he's offering a couple billion dollars for three and a half four ish billion dollars over the actual value of twitter that is significant if you have a right now i'm looking it up now this the stock market hasn't opened yet but if you are looking at the value of Twitter, let's see, the market cap of Twitter is $36 billion as of right now. This is before it opens. That is a significant increase over that. The He's offering $54.20 a share. Currently, Twitter sits at fifty or $45.85 a share. Theoretically, the board 
and the CEO are supposed to act in the they're supposed they're in a fiduciary position. They're supposed to act in the best interests financially, not emotionally, not mentally, not all the snowflakes out their way of the shareholders. Now, clearly, the shareholders getting a 10% bonus or whatever it is, bump over what they currently have immediately, which is already inflated because it went up significantly when it was announced that Elon Musk had taken a a 9.2% holding in the company. He, uh, this is the responsible thing from a fiduciary standpoint. But you have to realize that the people who run the company, the people who work at the company, to the extent that they their politics are known or they're comfortable expressing their politics, which is not probably if you're not liberal, probably not too comfortable. You probably have to sit there and go, oh, uh, three-year-old drag queen story time. Yeah, that's... That's exactly what children need. You kind of have to at least fake it because if they find out that you are impure of thought, you are probably on your way out the door. So you're sitting there and you're looking and you get this offer and you're Parag Agarwal or any of the board members and you have to you have to take it. Honestly, the letter that Elon Musk sent to the board is a thing of beauty because it not only lays out that he's offering an incredibly fair price, significantly higher than when he started buying stock and when his stock came up, but also that if he, if you don't sell, he's just going to rip that rug out from underneath you. <laughs> he's just going to rip that rug out from underneath you. Here is the board. Or here's the letter he sent to the chairman of the board, a guy named Brett Taylor. Brett Taylor. Chairman of the board, comma, I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be a platform for free speech around the globe, and I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. However, since making my investment, I now realize the company will never thrive nor serve this societal imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. As a result, I am offering to buy 100% of Twitter for $54.20 per share in cash. Can you imagine having that kind of dough or access to that kind of dough? Uh, a 54% premium over the day before I began investing in Twitter and a 38% premium over the day before my investment was publicly announced. My offer is my best and final offer, and if it is not accepted, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. Twitter has extraordinary potential. I will unlock it. Elon Musk. Signed digitally because he's Elon Musk. Now, I love this. Right in there is you're looking at it, and if you understand what a fiduciary is and the, the requirements that they act in the financial best interest of those involved, you can't sit there and go, well, what will it mean for the woke crowd? What will it mean for... You can't do that. Now, maybe BlackRock is trying to scramble together $43 billion and lose change to counter $45 billion. Here you go. But what's amazing is the way Elon Musk frames this. You can't really argue with the fiduciary case. He's offering a 54% premium over the day before he began investing in Twitter. That means he's paying more than half for the rest of the stock more than half again 
than uh, he was when he first started buying. And more than 38% from once, once it became known, ooh, Elon Musk has taken a 9% stock, the people started buying the stock and thinking he might be doing a hostile takeover or maybe he'll do something good that will cause the company to increase in value. So the stock has shot up since then. He's offering even more than that. He's offering even more than its value right now. But the real putting the screws to Twitter is the uh, third to last sentence. My offer is my best and final offer. And if it is not accepted, I will need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. (laughs) This is the brilliance of refusing the seat on the board. I don't think he would have been able to make this move. And uh, even this threat would have been empty if he'd have been on the board. Because he had, there were limits on how much stock he could purchase if he were on the board. And God, those meetings must have gone horribly, horribly awry if Elon Musk was ready to sit on the board of Twitter. And then they sat down with Pareg, Agarwal, and all the other leftists at Twitter. And they said, well, we're not going to change anything. We can't change it. We can't have people we disagree with speaking freely. Disinformation and misinformation must be stamped out. Elon Musk must have just looked at them and said, all right, well, then I'm going to have to dig into the couch and pull out some change and buy your whole damn company. It must have gone just so horribly, horribly wrong. But when saying this is his best and final offer, this is it. It's a hell of an offer over the asking price by 10%-ish. But by saying I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder if the offer is not accepted, is saying you can either have 10% more than the stock's value right now for all the shares, which would be in keeping with your fiduciary duty, or I will sell 9.2% of the I'll dump it. I'll dump it. And good luck to you. Good luck. See how that works out for you if I dump this, <laughs> dump this stock. Now, you dump that much stock in a company, the stock price is going to crash. That is going to trigger all sorts of sell orders in people. It will really damage Twitter. It will damage the people who've invested in Twitter, which would, knowing this, would again be a violation of their fiduciary duty over there in the management and board and everything of Twitter. So they're kind of screwed. They're kind of stuck in this situation of going, what do we do? They don't want to sell to Elon Musk. They desperately, I mean, they tried to buy him off. Look, we'll give you a board seat. We'll pretend that we're going to listen to you and maybe we'll adopt some of your ideas. But no, Elon Musk, you can't buy Elon Musk off. He's got too much money. Maybe Jeff Bezos rides in and goes, oh, my liberal principles. I'll sell uh, $50 billion worth of Amazon stock and I'll buy Twitter for 50, 50, 60 billion or whatever. It might start this bidding war, but it looks as though Elon Musk, if he's a man of his word, and we have no reason to think he isn't, is going to sit there and go, all right, I'm going to take my ball and go home. I don't know if anybody else would want to be that liquid, would want to liquidate, you know, Bezos could, but the vast majority of Bezos' wealth is tied up in Amazon. If he starts dumping that much Amazon stock, well, he bought the, uh, did Jeff Bezos likes a bargain. He bought the Washington Post for what seemed like a lot of money, $250 million, but literally he made that much money while he was signing the paperwork to buy the Washington Post. He bought that with his personal cash, not even with Amazon money. It's not even part of his portfolio. It's just, I bought it for the hell of it because, you know, I wanted a plaything. 
but $250 million is a lot different, a lot different than, you know, $40 billion. It's just now the left has been freaking out over this all day long because they're scared to death that somebody who is a fan of freedom of speech will take over this platform where these progressive leftists have been able to fairly efficiently and effectively silence conservatives. Max Boot is a columnist for The Washington Post. He tweeted this morning, quote, I am frightened by the impact. And he's frightened. Max Boot has not seen a war he didn't love. He has never seen a war he didn't want your kids to go and fight in. That's who Max Boot is. But the idea of Elon Musk buying Twitter, that, that frightens him. The idea of more free speech, that frightens him. He says, I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. And read that last part again because it's incredibly stupid that your brain probably didn't register it properly. He says, for democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. For freedom to survive, we need more censorship. We need more authoritarian control over what can be said online. That's the only way for freedom to survive. Can you imagine being that dense of a human being? That dim of a bulb? It's unbelievable, yet it's completely believable because this is who the left is. Somebody might be able to express an unpopular opinion. What if somewhere a trans child is emotionally upset by what they say? So? So what? You know what? You, you coddle children, you coddle human beings based on who they are or their skin color or whatever, and then you, you try to protect them, like, oh, they're just an injured baby bird. Just an inj Sooner or later, you're not going to be able to protect them from reality. Sooner or later, reality is going to come along, and it's going to be an unpleasant experience for them. The longer you postpone their uh, introduction to reality, the more damage is going to be done to them and by them and for them. They will not be able to recover. Some people will never recover from this simple criticisms of life. Because why? Because they just don't have it in them. They've never actually had the tools. They've never once exercised that muscle. Muscles need to be exercised or they will atrophy. They will go away to nothingness. But the max boots of the world, no, we cannot. Democracy needs to be protected from ideas. Now, that's not democracy. That's not freedom. That's not liberty. That's fascism. That's the Nazi logic. That's the communist logic. That is the socialist logic. You have a really, really uh, bizarre bit of mental gymnastics going on over there on the left. Joe Miller from the Financial Times. Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter because he believes, quote, free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy, end quote. While Tesla denies critical journalists access to events, etc. It doesn't stop you from whining about not being able to go in, but it's a private event. Do you not see the difference? These leftists do not see the difference between the private sector and the public square because they want everything 
in the private sector to be in the public square. They view corporations as entities that should be controlled by government, that should be controlled by them, really only them. If you notice, Democrats talk about how important democracy is and how they're defending democracy. But if they should lose an election, it's somehow a threat to democracy. Go ahead and square that circle. How do you rationally, as an adult human being, say, if we lose this election, it's a threat to democracy. I worry for democracy if I lose this election. That's insane. That's crazy. That's also progressive. Nancy Pelosi has said that very thing. Joe Biden has said that very thing. In fact, I can't think of a left-wing political activist or politician who hasn't said that thing. If those Republicans take over in the fall, I fear for our democracy. Why? You mean if the majority of Americans vote against the Democratic Party's agenda, you fear for dem- if democracy is exercised in a way in which you do not prevail, you fear for democracy? How do you live with yourself and string together that sentence? How do you string together that sentence and not halfway through it go, what the hell am I doing? What am I saying? That's insane. You can't really. But they do it on a daily basis. They do it on a daily basis. They completely wrap themselves in the First Amendment while calling for its destruction. My tweet about Max Boot has been met with a whole bunch of leftists going, well, you don't understand. Censorship is different from the private sector and the government sector and blah, 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 because I I wrote Max Boot, who makes his living wrapped in the First Amendment, and certainly not on talent or ability, has officially soiled his panties at the prospect of you being able to speak your mind without first getting approval from someone who agrees with him. That's what Max Boot is essentially saying in his tweet. People are dismissing it. Well, you don't understand the First Amendment doesn't apply to a private company. Well, the First Amendment I was referring to is Max Boot. He is a member of the press. He talks about it constantly. He's very proud of it. He wants that First Amendment protection from government. He wants to use it to aid in his denial of it to people who disagree with him. It's the essence of hypocrisy. It's the essence of stupidity because I don't think Max Boot is smart enough to recognize what he's doing or the disconnect. You don't write that tweet that he sent out. We need for democracy to survive. We need more content moderation, not less. I don't think you write that as a sentient human being who is intelligent enough to understand the words you're spewing and uh, not vomit all over your keyboard, ruining your computer. But that's Max Boot. He should probably do that just if he looks into a mirror. Uh, An interesting thing about the... uh the Twitter offer from Elon Musk is front office sports. I don't know what the business of sports. I don't know what front office sports is. It's a popular Twitter account. I imagine there's a website involved or what have you, but they tweeted out this. Elon Musk has offered to buy Twitter for $43 billion. Roughly the same amount could buy any one of the following. The 10 most valuable NFL teams, the 12 most valuable NBA teams, the 15 most valuable Major League Baseball teams, every NHL franchise, and every Major League Soccer franchise. I can't believe that uh, it's you couldn't get both. Like, Major League Soccer shouldn't... I don't know what the value of it is. I don't, maybe people watch that stuff and go to it. But I can't imagine it's anywhere close to the NHL. At least maybe that's... 
that's just me not wanting to imagine that it's anywhere close to the NHL because I like the NHL and uh, Major League Soccer couldn't care less. I could love and love the, uh, what do you call it? The, pl- uh, the Premier League, the British Premier League. But I got no use whatsoever for Major League Soccer. American soccer is boring. I know I'm a horrible person, but uh, <laughs> it's just funny. Just funny. Anyway, yeah. That'd be funny if Elon Musk just took over the world. $41.39 billion. My God. Okay. Uh, maybe if the deal for Twitter doesn't work out, perhaps Elon Musk could try and buy the uh, <laughs> try and buy the view. He could buy ABC. What's funny is CNN Plus is just sitting there going, we're ready for a, not even a hostile takeover. Please, somebody, God, take us over. They put $1 billion into CNN Plus, and they're already looking to like claw back at least half of that. And Elon Musk is, is flicking off billion-dollar bills like he's making it rain at a strip club. Nobody notices. Nobody cares. Um, but he could buy The View. You could literally buy CNN for really cheap. That'd be hilarious, too. Man, if Elon Musk gets Twitter and then he goes, you know what? Uh, hey, uh, new Warner Discovery Company, why don't we uh, why don't we just break off CNN and I'll throw you I don't know, three three billion dollars be enough for that? That maybe four. All right, four billion dollars, and everybody at CNN would be poor Brian Stelter, poor Brian Stelter. He'd have to try to get by on merit and talent. God help him. And then you know, turn your sights to the ABC and you go, hey, uh, how about how much for the view over there? And all you've got to do to scare these people is go, all I want to do is institute a policy of honesty and integrity, fact-based talk. And they'd go, what? No, no, that's horrible. No, that's awful. No, I will allow other people to talk. I won't censor you for saying something wrong. I'm just going to have somebody buy to uh, to offer the other perspective. And that is, I suppose, what uh, most of the people who work at CNN view as the inner sanctum of hell. <laughs> Over at The View, these ladies are, um, well, they don't get close enough to a fact for it to matter. But it is kind of funny until you realize that there's yeah, probably about a million mostly uh, housewives and stay-at-home women. I can't imagine any dude watching The View uh, on purpose. But the uh, the crew that watches The View, there's about a million of them. And so this is one of their main sources of news. And you sit there and you hear the garbage that they spew. It is, it's amazing. Well, let's start off with Sunny Houston, Houston, I don't know what her name is. She's been on the show for a long time. She's allegedly a lawyer. Before joining The View, she was a CNN contributor, so it kind of lets you know what you're dealing with when it comes to CNN and, and the quality of people. And a CNN cast-off is The View's, ooh, this is some good vittles, we'll get her. She was talking about mass shootings and the shooting in New York, and they can't just say, you know what, crime has gotten out of control in New York City. They can't. They have to pretend that New York City is some sort of utopia, or at least just this side of utopia, and the only thing preventing it from achieving full-blown utopia sta- uh, status 
is those evil, evil red states. Now, if you're in New York City, let me think geographically, what's the closest red state? Hell, I don't know. There really isn't one close by. Uh, even New Hampshire's in their live free and die motto has chosen die more often than to live free. So you're sitting there and you're going, what do you do? How do where, where is this influx of, of horrors from the right, from the red states? You've got the, uh, the shooter there. Thank God nobody was killed. But the shooter there, Frank James, came from Pennsylvania. Not exactly a red state. So... Where is this red state influx of guns? Where is this bastion of, of free gun? Well, she mentions Georgia, which is stupid. She knows nothing about where this guy got his guns. Nobody knows where this guy got his guns yet. He got his guns because he doesn't have a criminal record, and we don't convict people for things or strip people of their rights before they have violated the law, right? You don't put people in prison preemptively. We don't do pre-crime here, despite that Tom Cruise movie. But Sonny Houston manages to get everything wrong about guns here and blames red states for surges in crime. She talks about red states seeing an influx of crime, a major increase in crime, and red cities. Major Now, what red cities are there? Think of what major city in this country is controlled by a, a Republican anywhere. I'll wait. I don't know that there is one. I honestly don't know that there is not, not Detroit, not New York, not Philadelphia, not Pittsburgh, not Washington, D.C., not Baltimore, not St. Louis, um, not Miami. I mean, you go up and down, maybe down, not Atlanta, maybe somewhere in this country, somewhere in Texas, there's a mid-sized city that has a Republican mayor. But in general, she's living in a fantasy world. But she's not actually living in a fantasy world. I have difficulty believing that these people are truly this dumb. I believe that they're lying. That's the difference. It's a lie if you knowingly tell a mistruth. It's just a mistake if you end up being wrong. But these people aren't, they can't be this dumb, can they? Listen to everything she gets wrong. Here, Sonny Houston on The View yesterday. I think that the solve has been here for a long time, right? It's common sense gun legislation. Um, and it constantly fails because Republicans have blocked that legislation across the board. Um, Americans across the board are supportive of that gun legislation. I think it's something like 85% or more. Um, and you can tell me in my ear what those stats are. Um, and it's not about defunding the police. When you, th when you Biden has made it very clear that that is not the position of the Democratic Party. Nancy Pelosi has made it very clear. And to be clear, uh, the NYPD's budget is $11 billion, $11 billion, which is more than the Ukrainian military has, right? Um, and, and so um, it's, it's not about funding, it's about gun legislation. And Georgia is now one of more than 20 states, as Joy mentioned, that allows concealed guns without a permit, without a license, and without any training. Um, and when you talk about Republican states, there is higher gun violence in Republican-led states 
and cities and cities. So it's a misnomer somehow to say, well, these these uh, you know the uh, the rise in gun violence is in Democrat-run cities, and and that's been the Republican Party line for so long. And I think Democrats have to do something so- about that messaging. <laughs> Democrats have to do do something about that messaging. Uh, what can you do about that messaging? Hey, uh, here's an idea. Let's ignore all the murders in Chicago. Oh no, wait, we've already checked that box. We already do. We already do ignore all those murders in Chicago and Baltimore and Detroit and everything. We do ignore those things. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. We screwed up. Uh, well, Georgia is now a state that uh, allows for carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. Without a permit. Yeah, Georgia is one of, I believe the number, it's either 25 or 26 states in the United States that now allows carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. It's called constitutional carry. Those states have not seen the massive increase in gun violence that the left has predicted. Sonny is completely wrong about that. It's amazing to me. In uh, in his book, More Guns, Less Crime, John Lott pointed this out, this phenomenon, pretty clearly. It's pretty obvious, too, if you just think of it from a common sense perspective. If you are inclined to rob people, where would you most likely like to rob people? Where would you feel most comfortable? Would you be comfortable in a place where handgun carrying is nearly impossible? Nearly impossible. You you have to really you have to know somebody honestly to get say a a concealed carry permit in Baltimore. You just you have to. If you don't know the governor or the attorney general or somebody, you're you're probably not going to. If you're not buddies with the uh, the pol- state police and the police, you're not going to get yourself a concealed carry permit more often than not, unless there's really extenuating circumstances. Would you rather rob somebody if you had to rob somebody on the streets of Baltimore or on the streets of, say, uh, Dallas, where you can conceal carry without a permit, where it's perfectly legal, where you have no idea who has a weapon and who doesn't? You can count pretty much 99% of the time people in Baltimore not having a weapon. But about uh, 30% of the time down in Texas, somebody you try to hold up will have a weapon. Which place would you rather commit your crime? Of course, the obvious answer is Baltimore. Unless you really just got a death wish, uh, you would go for the place where weapon ownership, weapon concealment, weapon carrying is more difficult. If you look at the mass shootings at uh, public places, 99 times out of 100, where do they take place? They take place in gun-free zones. Gun-free zones. Law-abiding citizens will go, well, we're going to a movie theater. I have a concealed carry permit, but the theater says no guns. I'll leave it in the car or I'll uh, leave it at home, whatever. I will uh, I will follow their rules because I'm a law-abiding citizen. Whereas the criminal goes... Those suckers are going to follow the rules. Those suckers inside are going to be sitting ducks. They're going to sit there and take it. They're disarming themselves to go watch a movie for two hours. 
it's game on. Or, oh, they don't want it in a Walmart, so I'm going to go to the Walmart. You name the place where the mass shooting takes place, and the vast majority of them are in gun-free zones because the criminals, just like you know, criminals buying guns, criminal, people with criminal records are not supposed to own guns. How many criminals... How many people are arrested with criminal records and possession of a firearm? It's like they don't follow the law. It's like they ignore the law willingly. Whereas the good citizens, the law-abiding Americans, don't, which makes them targets, soft targets. The ladies at The View are very confused and upset by this. And they're also wildly misinformed by what I assume is their left-wing producers, because they sure as hell aren't doing their research on their own. But they spew this stuff to millions of people every single day, every single week. It's not the same million people who watch every day. There's probably about four million people who watch periodically throughout the course of a couple of weeks. And that's what's terrifying is you sit there and you go, where do these people come up with these screwed up ideas? You, you see them on social media. You see them at school board meetings and town councils and everything. And you go, where do these people get these dumb ideas? It's from places like The View. You got to know to get rid of a weed, you got to pull it out by the roots. And you got to know where the roots are. The roots for a lot of stupidity in American society is right there on The View. So the uh, ladies at The View are, uh, you know, you, you got Sonny completely wrong on everything related to guns. And then you get Joy Behar. What would the day be without Joy Behar saying something so incredibly stupid? Now, Joy Behar... How old is Joy? I have to look up how old Joy Behar is because at her age, she should know. At her age, she should absolutely know. And she doesn't know these basics of how government functions. She, she's 79 years. I, I was thinking she was, God, for some reason, I was thinking she was in her 60s. But no, she's 79 years old, Joy Behar. And she has no flipping idea how our government works how do you live 79 years i would say she's at least gotten 25 years on television as a political commentator as a com whatever the hell her job is at the view as that she's been on for at least 25 years she was i think one of the original cast members of the view so you've got that and you don't have a clue as to how our government works? You've been wildly misinformed by producers, teachers, family, friends, anybody you've ever talked to, news articles you've ever read. Everything you've ever come in contact with had to have been wildly, I don't know, what are you reading, highlights for kids at this point? To not know that the Supreme Court doesn't pass bills, doesn't pass legislation? Even if you only learned from, I'm just a bill, from Schoolhouse Rock, you'd have a better understanding of civics than Joy Behar does, and she's probably making $5 million. I would say at least $5 million a year. She's been on that show long enough. She's probably making $5 million a year. Listen, listen to how she describes how our system works. The Supreme Court is, is poised to pass a bill contradicting the New York City state laws. We have very strict gun laws here, and they would like it to be, apparently somebody has put this on their desk, that New York should be an open carry 
state and an open carry city with all of the density in this city they want people running around with guns people middle class people will be leaving in droves they, if that happens they will <laughs> middle class where have you been joy middle class people first of all can't afford to live in new york anymore but the few remaining people who are there who are, are middle class and pretty much a lot of your liberal elitist rich friends too have been getting the hell out of new york for quite some time 400,000 i think the number was last year fled the city of new york just the city of new york forget about the state but i love it she's very she's a champion of the middle class Joy Behar is because she doesn't want them to have the means by which to defend themselves. The Supreme Court's got a bill on their desk. What in the hell kind of education did you have to have that you sit there and you think, oh, yeah, I hope the Supreme Court passes this bill on gun control or concealed carry or constitutional carry. No, there are cases before the Supreme Court and working their way into the Supreme Court that have to do with whether or not constitutional carry should be reciprocal, whether or not constitutional carry, if you have the right to keep and bear arms, can you really restrict the right to carry them, to exercise that right within a state? Those are the things I assume she's talking I don't know exactly what she's talking about. I'm only, you know, passable in stupid. I am not fluent in stupid, so I can't possibly directly trans, a lot is lost in translation. My, I'm a little bit better in German than I am in stupid. Like, you drop me off in, in Germany, I could find the main train station. I could find the library. For some reason, that word stuck to me. I could find the bathroom, and I could probably get some by and get some food and whatnot. But if you drop me off in stupid, I'm not sure I could find any of those things through asking somebody because I just don't speak their language. So it's tough to – it's not based in Latin. Its roots are not in Latin, so you can't really... I mean, honestly, who... Are the producers who work on these shows proud of what they're doing? Proud of the product they put out there? Where you've got these people just spewing absolute lies. Absolute lies and BS. Making... Oh, they're liberal talking points and they'll make you wildly popular in the coffee room. But... There are people outside the coffee room who look at this and go, that's just wrong. That's just, and it's easily proven that it's wrong. It's not just, well, you have to really dig into the deeply into the U.S. code and try to, no, it's pretty obvious that this stuff is wrong. Supreme Court doesn't pass legislation. They don't send bills to the Supreme Court where they contemplate, oh, geez, what should we do? Should we vote for this or vote against this? Maybe she just focused more on conjunction junction and less on I'm just a bill. But you watch this stuff and you go, how did we get so dumb as a society? This is exactly how we got so dumb as a society. This is exactly how we got so dumb as a society. But thankfully, it's not taking with everybody. It's not taking with everybody. The Biden administration is repeating ad nauseum the concept of a Putin price hike, right? The Putin price hike. Oh, the Putin price hike. And you think, well, who's going to believe that? The Democrats are going to believe that. The people who are going to believe anything that comes out of the Biden administration, anything that comes out of a Democrat administration, those are the people who are going to buy it. But the rest of the country is not buying it. The staunch Democrats buy it. MSNBC poll. I think, well, they're, they're uh, reporting on this poll. 
president who are uh, who or what do you blame for inflation? Six percent say Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Six percent. There's Putin's price hike. Those are the people who are dumb enough to believe Joe Biden. You get about 30 percent support for Democrats without even trying just the concept of Democrats, not the actual reality of any specific Democrat, because that's, you know, 30 some odd percent is the uh, the voter registration rate for the Democrat Party. And you got 6% buying your Putin price hype thing after repeating it ad nauseum. 23% blame corporations. So you got those Democrats. That's where the most Democrats, even the Democrats who are inclined to believe stupidity, like it's those evil price gouging corporations aren't going, yeah, but it's Putin invading Ukraine. 28% say the pandemic. Right. Twenty eight percent. Again, it's a bit of brainwashing there. For some weird reason, we didn't have these supply chain issues like we do in the Trump administration. We didn't have the inflation. Inflation was like one and a half percent when uh, Donald Trump left office. But uh, they want to blame the pandemic. Fine. Go ahead. It would be very, very delayed reaction. Two years into a pandemic, the inflation kicks in. But then there's the uh, a plurality not a majority but a plurality at 38 percent say president biden and his policies now it has to kill msnbc to report on these things the truth hurts as they say and having to report the truth when you're you're simply not used to it has to really be like a a trip to the dentist during a a shortage of painkillers it really does but you watch these people and you sit there and you go, where does the dumb come from? This is the dumb comes from the view. The dumb comes from MSNBC. The dumb comes from education where there are not many, but it doesn't take many. You'd be surprised when well, you're looking at what one year of lockdowns, right? And how damaging were those lockdowns? How damaging were those lockdowns from COVID? They're talking about years to make up the difference. They, the children who were locked out, and I'm so lucky that our kids are not old enough to have been in school during COVID, to have had to go and force them into that distance learning stuff because the teachers' unions. But the, um, they're talking about the kids lost years' worth of education. Many of them, particularly the older ones, they simply won't recover. There won't be enough time. You're not going to keep a 16-year-old in school for two extra years because the teachers' union wanted to work from home for a year. You kind of got to socially promote people. You got to lower the bar. You're seeing the lowering of the bar across the country when it comes to things like advanced placement courses. Can't have that. It exposes that uh, teachers in predominantly black schools are not doing a very good job. They're not doing a very good job. They're too, they're churning out social justice warriors at an alarming rate. If that were their goal, boy, they're reaching it, reaching it, and they would be ready for bonuses. But if they're trying to turn out productive members of society who are able to function, they're failing miserably. You can figure out which one they're really trying to churn out, but. That's the uh, that's the world that we live in. But by the way, the, uh, the school system, where is that story? 
in Baltimore, there's a guy named Wes Moore. Wes Moore is uh, it was an interesting story. He wrote a book called The Other Wes Moore. It's about growing up in Baltimore and growing up a couple of blocks from another guy named Wes Moore and how their lives diverged, right? That was my understanding of it uh, and the story of Wes Moore. And it was a New York Times bestseller, made him very famous, made him a lot of money. And then he has uh, parlayed that into a whole bunch of jobs. And he's now at least contemplating, I don't know, I think he might be running for governor, the Democratic nomination for governor. And so it, somebody finally looked into Westmore's story. And this is years, 10 years more after the real Westmore came out, this interesting story. And now CNN, Westmore is not the... Uh, preferred candidate of CNN, apparently. They have a piece today. A rising Democratic star told his origin story, but did he allow a narrative to take hold that didn't match the facts? Turns out that what I know about Westmore, what I just conveyed to you about the story of Westmore, is what most people know about Westmore. But it's not the story of Westmore. Westmore didn't actually live in Baltimore, didn't move to Baltimore until he was, what, 20 years old. He physically lived in Baltimore which is amazing. He was uh, born in Washington, D.C., grew up in New York. Let's see. According to Moore's website, he wasn't born in Baltimore, but in Washington, D.C. As the book lays out, he spent his early childhood in the suburb of Tacoma Park, Maryland, not exactly a bastion of poverty, some 30 miles from Baltimore. After his father's sudden death when Moore was three, he then moved the family to the Bronx, which was a time that was beset by crime and drugs and poverty much as Baltimore. Late in the summer before he turned 16, Moore's mother moved to a middle-class enclave of Pasadena in Maryland's Anne Arundel County. So, all right, by then, Moore was away at military school in Pennsylvania. Again, not exactly a typical upbringing, not anything comparable to the other Wes Moore. Moore's campaign said he would visit his mother as a kid and he would often go roller skating and get his hair cut in Baltimore. And that's his connection growing up to Baltimore. It wasn't until he was a 20-year-old undergraduate at Johns Hopkins University that Moore first lived in Baltimore. Even then, as a student at Hopkins, the world he inhabited while attending the prestigious private university was nothing like the notorious inner-city housing developments of Baltimore, where the 2010 book says the other Westmore grew up. So it's a very, very different story. Now, it the CNN did a thorough job. They got a section here. The story morphs over time. They went through his various speeches. And a lot of times, Westmore, by omission, by omission, he didn't deliberately come out and directly say lies. He sat there on stage during introductions or various speeches by other people citing him who they said was they said the things that were incorrect. And he didn't correct the record because it it fit the narrative much more nicely than a kid growing up in wealthy suburbs and uh, going to a military academy out in Pennsylvania, not not inner city Baltimore. <laughs> now, they released a statement from his mother to try and cover from this. So much of what we just just tell the truth. It's not the, the truth is the easiest thing to remember because it's true. But when you start letting people lie on your behalf or you start shading the truth, then you got to remember what you said before. And that's where you end up getting into trouble. So now that his campaign is underway, the closest to Marr describe a genuine connection to Baltimore where he has lived for about the last decade. Okay. 
Quote, I've never seen anybody connect to a place more than West did when he fell in love with Baltimore. His mother, Joy Moore, said in a statement provided to CNN by the Moore campaign, quote, my job was in Baltimore City and I couldn't keep him out of the city when he was home from military school as a teenager. How often are you home from military school? Who goes to military school? Hmm? Then we're supposed to believe this? You should be it should be easily documented. But I don't want to question his mother. It's just um just interesting how often the left, if you look at Barack Obama's biographies before his latest one people tried to identify his girlfriends right he wrote about his girlfriends you'd think somebody in the course of something would come forward and go yeah i dated barack obama in college it was you know it was fine it was i don't know he was he was very driven he was very smart whatever you could find somebody you could find some of my ex-girlfriends to say really nice things about me you could find others to say the truth but the uh, you know, they could they, you could find somebody if you're president of the United States to come forward and give you a testimonial. It'd be kind of a humanizing thing. And so they started looking through Barack Obama's biographies. He'd already written two by the time he'd done anything to try and find identifiers for these girlfriends. He just used first names. And they finally had to release a statement. The campaign did said, no, they were composite girlfriends uh, in the books. They weren't real girlfriends. He just used pieces from different girls that he dated. Like, what in the hell is that? Who does that? Well, apparently it's pretty common amongst Democrats to just take composites of your life of what you thought it should be or what you hoped it would be and just pretend it was when it wasn't. Yeah, good job, Westmore. The uh, White House shifting gears to focus on the Biden administration. Good Lord, the Biden administration. You sit there and you go, what in the hell is wrong with these people? We are in the midst of massive inflation. Everything costs more. Everything costs more. And what is the Biden administration doing? They're running around going, oh, Putin price hike, Putin price hike, Putin price hike. Meanwhile, you got the president on record saying, I'll do anything to make sure that we can uh, help the American people. The easiest way to do that would be to get the government the hell out of the way when it comes to things like drilling, like oil exploration, like refining, like pipelines, things like that. Yeah, it's all fun and games in the abstract. And then it becomes reality. And you sit there and you go, all right, well, we have to do something. And the only thing that will have a lasting impact is to become, once again, which is bizarre that we've had it and Biden gave it away, is to become energy independent. Become energy independent and what do you end up with you end up with an administration that sits there and goes well we'll do anything except except for the one thing we know that'll work we have a plan in place that in 10 to 15 years may well work to help wean us off oil oh wait so what 10 to 15 years you're looking at down the road we've got to go green We've got to kill birds. We're killing bald eagles at an alarming rate with these windmills. And the left, the environmentalists and the animal rights wackos are all like at odds with each other. You don't hear about it because the left keeps their family squabbles uh, silent. But they're fighting each other because those windmills kill a lot of birds. They kill a lot of birds. You think, well, if birds are so stupid as to fly into it, yeah. 
we're building them where the birds live and we are not taking any care we don't give a damn about that it's about going green going green there's a lot of blood red and going green apparently going green going green going green and you sit there and you watch all this garbage and you go these people there's a an easy solution sitting right over there it's like a whole bunch of people standing around trying to figure out how to put a nail into a board and they just can't figure out how like how can we get this nail through this board and so it sticks into the wall we can't do it and they sit around and they look at coffee cups and they they're looking at their hands and they're hurting their hands and they're doing all this garbage and just sitting over off to the to the left is a is a hammer there's a hammer right there no we can't use a hammer we couldn't possibly use a hammer hammer is so arcane it's so old Everybody uses a hammer. Don't be so predictable. We need to find something else. Well, maybe one day solar will work. Maybe one day wind will produce enough so that it uh, that it matters, that it will make a difference. But that day ain't today. And people are hurting today. And those moves that should be made today should be to help as close to today as possible, right? That's the way it should be. But they don't. They look for new ways to make today worse under the guise of the promise. It's the wimpy model. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. If you just make more sacrifices... Now, it's no sacrifice for Joe Biden for gas prices to be as high as they are, $2 more than when he took office. He's not buying gas. He's never going to buy gas again for the rest of his life. It's not that that's going to be all that long. He's 80 years old. But for the rest of his life, he's never going to buy gas. Even if he did have to buy gas, he's rich. He got rich off of his so-called public service. It's weird how that works with the left. So he doesn't care. These Democrats are rich, filthy rich. Even if Nancy Pelosi left office today and returned back home to one of her San Francisco mansions and lost the security detail that keeps her protected from the great unwashed, Nancy Pelosi wouldn't drive her own car. She wouldn't drive her own car. She would hire a driver because she's rich, plus she's old. So the cost of gas, while she'd probably pay it, she would never know it. It wouldn't impact her. The guy driving her, would I'm sure she'd be incorporated. The guy driving her would have a corporate card, and she would never see the bill. Her accountants would handle it. She'd have no concern, plus she's worth $300 million, so it doesn't matter anyway. It won't matter. They have no concern for you. Costs more to heat your house. It'll cost more to keep the lights on in your house because that electricity that you enjoy, that electricity that, by the way, since we're leaving winter and entering summer, they say, well, uh, heating, home heating oil is very expensive. Well, how do they think air conditioners work? Air conditioners run off, and I hope I'm not breaking news to anybody here, but it seems as though I might be breaking news to some Democrat politicians. Air conditioners run off of electricity. Electricity, the vast majority of which in this country is produced from the only really reliable source 
of electricity. It's called fossil fuels. It's called coal. It's called oil. It's even hydroelectric is more reliable than wind and solar. But the left doesn't like that because it prevents fish from being able to spawn where they want to spawn. Whatever. Okay, fine. There you go. But when you have the situation where we have right now, where they're running around saying, we're trying to do everything we can. Oh, boy, howdy, shucks, and by golly, we're real sorry about the uh, situation and the cost of things. We're going to do everything we can. And where states like California is considering giving everybody like a Visa debit card for every car they have, like 400 bucks to help offset the cost of gas. You're going, what in the hell has this come to? California has shut down all their nuclear plants, proudly shut down all their nuclear plants, and they have rolling blackouts. And they're looking at it, and they realize that Biden's, Bidenflation is too damning, even for Californians. They sit there and they go, we're going to have to come up with a way to do this. Let's just forget lowering the gas tax, forget eliminating the gas tax. Let's just subsidize people. Which, if you really care about the way that the left talks about, oh, we care, we're the party of the poor, we're, we're here walking out for the poor, who's less likely to own a car? Some rich, fat cat Hollywood guy or some poor person, right? Or even some lower middle class person who has to take public transportation to work because they can't afford a car because the cost of living in California is so artificially high. Where do you think that falls? Where, who ha- is more likely to do that? Well, it's, it's of course, the Democrats. It's the, the poor. The poor always get screwed over by the Democrats while they sit around going, I am protecting the poor. I am protecting the poor. We care more about the poor. You love the poor so much you are actively trying to create more of them or something, right? Is that how it works? Is that what's going on? I I don't get it. The whole damn thing is ridiculous. But now you've got the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, in a speech yesterday saying we've got to go forward, we've got to continue down this green path where at best 10 to 15 years down the road we might be to a place where it is reliable. The sun always doesn't always shine. The wind doesn't always blow. Batteries are expensive. We can't even dig up the rare earth materials to make those lithium batteries here in the United States because of all the restrictions that leftists have put on mining. The Biden administration is not talking about lifting those at all, but they are talking about taxing the hell out of you for your CO2 footprint. Why? Because really, it just comes down to they need the money. They've overspent, and they recognize that they want to overspend more. They do it under the guise of the morally important environmental blah, blah, blah. But what it really is is they pissed away too much money. They're even recognizing that they can't keep printing at that pace, but they can't stop spending at that pace, so they're trying to find new and creative ways to get into your wallet. And there's one thing the Democrats excel at, it's finding new and creative ways to get into your wallet. Here is the Treasury Secretary from yesterday. The recent IPCC reports confirm that our window of opportunity to leave our planet worthy of our children and our grandchildren is even closer to being permanently shut. We must redouble our efforts to decarbonize our economies. 
recognizing that countries will use a range of tools, including carbon pricing, regulation, and subsidies to achieve needed emission reductions. We've got to decarbonize our economy. CO2 is the lifeblood of capitalism. These people hate capitalism. Capitalism would eventually replace CO2, but they can't wait. They won't wait because they hate capitalism. Capitalism is the pathway to freedom for individuals, and individual freedom is the antithesis of progressive politics. It must be destroyed. It needs to be destroyed. So she's talking there about creating a carbon tax. A carbon tax. Why? Why not? Punish people. Destroy them. Individuals are disposable. The people who would be most hurt by a carbon tax are the poor. It would cause energy costs to skyrocket. The people who can least afford that are the poor. Nancy Pelosi isn't going to miss a meal. Janet Yellen isn't going to miss a meal. Neither one. They're both up there in age. By the time the feces really hit the fan on the left-wing fever dreams, anyway, they'll be long gone. Their children will be set with the millions they made grifting in their lifetimes, and everybody else will be dependent on government. We've raised the price of your energy, and we're sorry about that, but don't worry. We also are introducing subsidies. We're going to help offset the costs of the increase. Of your energy well why did you do that if you, you you can't afford this well we're taxing other people we're giving you pennies of what we've taken from them under the guise of taking from them to help you but don't think too much about where the rest of the money is going just shut up and be happy we've ruined you and now we've saved you it's like somebody looking into the Grand Canyon and you're standing next to them and you grab them and you go I just saved your life how did you save my life? I was going to push you into the Grand Canyon, but I decided to not push you into the Grand Canyon. I instead decided to grab you and prevent you from being pushed into the Grand Canyon by me. And you sit there and you go, you didn't, you didn't save my life. You, <laughs> you decided not to kill me, but you scared the hell out of me in the process. You probably took two years off my life by sort of grabbing me forcefully as we look into this giant chasm. And they go, well, it doesn't matter. I've saved your life. I've saved your life. No, these people aren't saving your life. These people are the root cause of the problems they publicly proclaim only they can solve. Yeah, I suppose technically they're not, they can't only solve them. Other people can solve them by replacing them. But the Democrats can certainly solve these problems more efficiently than anybody else. And in a very simple way, stop causing them. Stop making them worse. You take your foot off the gas as you're flying toward the brick wall. And even though you may well still hit the brick wall, you won't hit it as hard as you otherwise would have because you took your foot off the gas. So ultimately, it's slightly better. But if you're in the driver's seat, like Democrats are currently, and you're concerned about hitting that brick wall while stomping on the gas, not only take your foot off the gas, apply your foot to the brake, and then steer in a different direction. And suddenly, your problem of running into that wall goes away. If you're looking at an energy problem, let the energy sector 
do it. Let the energy sector solve that problem. They know best how to fix what goes on in there. You want to sit there and you go, well, if they dump water in or mercury into the drinking well, yeah, you, you stop them from doing really destructive things. But otherwise, you get out of their way. They know what's best. Corporations don't just set money on fire because they got nothing better to do. Or they want people to act in a certain way. Governments do that constantly. Corporations don't do that. Corporations will put the money where it will do the best for those corporations, which means come back with more of its friends. You release $100,000 and you want it to come back with $200,000. You know? But that's not the way government works. It's not the way government works. They don't care. It's not their money. What do they care if it never comes back? They just set the standards. If green energy, so-called green energy, were so close to being able to replace fossil fuels, it wouldn't need subsidies. The private sector would be pouring money into it. The private sector would be piling on top of itself to get, they'd have more money. They wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't be able to spend it all. They'd have so much money because that's the way capital works. But capital recognizes that it's not ready. It's not ready for prime time and it's not going to be ready for prime time for a little while. So what do you do? You go, well, we need to subsidize it. And more than that, They also get it on the other end. They mandate its use. They mandate its use. Subsidize its existence and mandate its use. There are no two clearer signs that something doesn't work than those two things. And that's where the Democrats live when it comes to this green energy boondoggle. I keep checking in on Twitter just to see the reaction from leftists, and it never ceases to amaze me. Just to circle back to this for a second. Jeff Jarvis, who is a professor at the City University in New York. He's in, of course, the journalism school. Of course he is. He's got a big social media footprint, 176,000 followers, because he's a left-wing celebrity, because he spews left-wing garbage. He's blocked me uh, a long time ago because he doesn't like criticism. He doesn't like dissenting voices. And it's kind of funny that all these people who are out there saying, what's going on with Twitter is a threat to free speech, are the people who most avail themselves of the bubble. They create their own bubble. They block people who disagree with them. They do everything they can to keep people with dissenting views from theirs away from them to pretend that we don't exist. They otherize us. They always say, oh, you're trying to otherize the trans community or this community or that community, blah, 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 blah. What exactly are they doing to anybody who disagrees with them? They're doing everything they can to stamp them out of existence. First they block them, then they report them, then they try to get them banned from the public square. Make no mistake, the internet is the public square. He tweeted out, Today on Twitter feels like the last evening last evening in a Berlin nightclub at the twilight of the Weimar Republic. Yes, somebody who is committed to freedom of speech possibly, possibly buying a company is really just like Adolf Hitler. I mean, just like Adolf Hitler. I mean, technically, if you want to be uh, honest about this, Elon Musk was born in South Africa. He would be the first African-American owner of a social media company. 
in world history, right up out of, you know, own it outright. The left should be cheering this. Why is it that they hate African-Americans? Why is it that the left hates African-Americans? Hmm, it's just weird. <laughs> By the way, not to be outdone in the stupidity is always the angry dwarf over there, Robert Reich, as Rush used to say, Robert Reich. Robert Reich is about four foot eight. He was Bill Clinton's labor secretary. Why they chose him, uh, God only knows. But he was much more sane than he is now. And if you ever hear some leftists say, well, the Republican Party has moved so far to the right, point out Robert Reich to them. Robert Reich is a full-blown communist, a full-blown communist, fascist, the old-school fascist. And he was mainstream Democrat not that long ago. He has a piece in the UK Guardian. Elon Musk's vision for the Internet is dangerous nonsense. Dangerous nonsense. How, and the subheadline, how Musk faces no limit on how much Twitter stock or, uh, he can buy. He'll buy as much as he needs to gain control. And it goes, it's um, the way he puts it himself, Rice says, when I criticized Musk for worker violations at Tesla, he blocked me. When a college student stated, started a Twitter account to track Musk's private plane, Musk tried to buy him, buy him off before blocking him. Does that sound like a free speech absolutist to you? Yeah, Bob, because he didn't use the power of government to do it. He didn't use the power of a corporation to do it. He just blocked the dude. He blocked you. You are not prevented from writing your stupid guardian opinion column about how musk is a threat to free speech you did it you're not being arrested you're not being silenced you're allowed to send it out to the world you're not being shadow banned for it or anything that kid who was tracking elon musk's plane seemed a little creepy to me but whatever the kid's still out there the kid's still free to tweet whatever the hell it is he wants to tweet that's the difference robert reich we on the free speech side don't want to shut you up. In most cases, we want to give you as big an audience as possible because what you advocate for is terrifying. You want to talk, Jeff Jarvis, about the end days of the Weimar Republic right before the Third Reich started. Well, uh, find a reflective surface, pal. Look at who you're in bed with. That's what we're fighting against. We are not trying to silence you. No one is trying to silence you. We want people to see what you're saying. We want people to hear what you're saying because we know, and the polling data shows, that when they do, when they get unfiltered liberalism, unspun by the media, and they find out what the Democratic Party is up to these days and what they stand for and the millions of illegal aliens coming across the southern border being welcomed without any, with open arms and no COVID restrictions while you can't get on a plane, they recoil in horror. They recoil in horror and go, what in the hell? Why do I have to? The Biden administration announced yesterday that for just just 15 more days, mind you, just another 15 days to slow the spread, they are going to keep the mask requirements in place on planes. It doesn't make any sense. If masks worked, which there's no study showing that they do, but if they did, on a plane, it still wouldn't matter because the air has changed every couple of minutes. They have the most advanced filtration system around. 
They have upgraded. It was already good, and they upgraded it in the time of COVID. The odds are you'd really have to sit down next to somebody and be like that chick in uh, airplane. She's like, I'm never afraid we're going to die, and I've never been with a man before, and just make out with everybody who sits next to you and then sit next to everybody on the plane for you to really run any potential serious risk of catching COVID on a plane without a mask on. But the Biden administration says, no, we must. We must, in the name of safety and security and science, even though they can't cite the science, keep mask mandates in place. But just for another 15 days, just another, what's another 15 days amongst friends? Meanwhile, down at the southern border, They're getting rid of Rule 42, which enabled the Border Patrol to immediately deport illegal aliens coming across the border. Why? Because we're in the midst of a pandemic, and the left tells us this pandemic is wildly serious. So serious, in fact, you have to wear a mask on a plane. And uh, you still have to wear a mask on a plane, but illegal aliens don't have to wear masks coming across the southern border. They don't have to be tested. They won't have to really. They're allegedly getting a, a vaccine. I suspect heavily that they are being offered the vaccine, but that's about it. If in mass illegal aliens started refusing the vaccine, do you really envision Democrats, this White House standing up and saying, well, sorry, you got to go then. If you're not willing to get the shot, you got to go. No, they'll do that to the military. They'll do that to government employees, but the sweet, sweet, nourishing, best among us illegal aliens? Absolutely not. They would never require that. It would be wrong and probably racist. So yesterday, a busload of illegal aliens from Texas showed up at Washington, D.C., as close as you can probably get to the Capitol. It looked like it was over by Union Station. Uh, It was for show. Yes, it was. Some people are upset that it was for show, but it doesn't matter. It's got I, For show, it got attention. It got attention, and that's what matters. These illegal aliens got off the bus, and they were just sent out on their way. Greg Abbott says he's going to send more busloads of illegal aliens to Washington, D.C., and that's fine by me. But <clears throat> Ginger Goebbels was asked about this. And she, in the course of her answer, made the comment, look, they're free to travel wherever they want to go. Now ask yourself, are you? You, you American citizen, are you free to travel however you want, wherever you want to go? No, you're not. You've got to put a mask on. You've got to put a double mask on. Still got to show your vaccine passport in some places. You, all of these things, these restrictions, the government is the only one, the federal government is the only one who can control air travel and train travel. You can't get on a train, you can't get on a plane, you can't get on a bus without a mask on. But these illegal aliens, they're free to travel wherever they want while they wait for their case to be adjudicated. <laughs> Listen to Ginger Goebbels yesterday. The first bus of migrants arrived in D.C. today. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott making good on his promise to send migrants to the president's doorstep. Uh, I think you previously called it a publicity stunt. Is that still the view of the White House? Can you give us any reaction to this busload of migrants arriving here in D.C.? Well, these are all migrants who have been processed by CBP and are free to travel, so 
it's nice the state of Texas is helping them get to their final destination as they await in their, their outcome of their immigration proceedings. And they're all in immigration proceedings. They're all in immigration proceedings. And it's nice to see they're all been processed by CPB. That processing, by the way, involves meeting them at the border, taking them in, in many cases, giving them a, a cell phone, a smartphone, an Android phone, probably provided at a discount rate, but still at a profit from Google. And then sending them on their way, the, the promise that wherever they end up in the United States, there's no concern, there's too many of them for them to track, that wherever they end up in the United States, that they please then call, they use the provided cell phone to set up an appointment for a court date. And then theoretically, I suppose they'd have to keep that phone for the next two years or however long it takes to get that court date. That's how insane these people are. Now, you're dealing with people who just spent $10,000 to the drug cartels to smuggle them to the United States. You can't get across the southern border really anymore. It's too big of an industry. The cartels have taken it over. You can't do it independently. You'd get killed by the cartels. So you got to pony up the quote-unquote protection money to the cartels. The drug cartels are making more money than they do sell in cocaine. Uh, and uh, that's driving down the price of cocaine, I'd imagine. So Hunter is very happy about that. But you have this situation where this absolute disgrace is going on on the southern border. The wrong people, the evil people are getting rich. And the Biden administration is giving them phones. Now, what do you think the odds of somebody who just spent $10,000 to be smuggled to the United States are that they're going to keep that smartphone that the government gave them? Or do you think they're going to sell it? You think they're going to hawk it? You think they're going to get rid of it as quickly as possible to anybody willing to give them a hundred bucks for it? Because smartphone costs you a couple hundred bucks at a minimum. And so you go, all right, well, I can get a hundred bucks for that. That's great. Give me a hundred bucks. You can have this stupid phone. I was never going to call in anyway. They go, but the number to the to ICE is programmed in there. So we can, no, it's a joke. It's a scam. And these leftists are out there. They're free to travel. You're not free to travel. You get the hell out of their way. You obey. You do what you're told. Everybody else, all the illegal aliens, are free to travel. You really are better off being in this country illegally than you are being a citizen of the United States, thanks to Democrat policies. That's what I want to expose on Twitter. That's what I want to expose to as many people as possible. That's the difference between the left. They want to shut up. They don't want people to know what they're doing. And we want everybody to know what they're doing. In the remaining few minutes that we have, I want to play you a couple of uh, clips. They're long clips, but they're, they're good clips. They're illustrative clips. The, the second one's going to be the media montage and the left's obsession with race. God, my God, they love, they just, they love race. I don't get it. I don't get it. Congratulations on your skin color. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, but still, you're a sick person. But uh, the first one is from Democrat Senator Maggie Hassan. She has been down at the southern border for the last two days. Since we talked about the border a little bit and illegal immigration, it's interesting to get a Democrat take. What's more interesting is this Democrat is uh, from New Hampshire, where it's the closest thing to a red state. I know I mocked it earlier, but it is the closest thing to a red state. There's a possibility that a Republican, should they put up somebody worth a damn, which is always a tough road to hoe when it comes to Republicans. You never know. They don't often put up somebody who's worth a damn in these states. 
Governor Sununu chose not to run. That would have been an easy win for Republicans. So you get all these Republicans who could win deciding not to go into the Senate. And you're just like, this is this is stupid. Do you care about the issues you claim to care about or not? Governor Hogan, Governor Sununu, what have you. Well, Maggie Hassan does what Democrats in marginal states or purple states do every time that comes time for their election. They become more conservative. Maggie Hassan has been every Democrat, open borders, right there with the party, down the line. And now that she's up for re-election and the American people are looking at the horror of the southern border and recognizing that it's damaging to this country in many, many ways. She's now come out and said, we need to control the border. And she is advocating for what you'll hear her say is uh, physical barriers. They can't say the wall, but it's a wall. It's a physical barrier. It's the wall. She released a video where you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference between a Democrat, this Democrat, and a Republican. Somebody from New Hampshire is way up, you know, north of Can- north of the United States, up bordering Canada talking about the southern border. That's how important this issue is. And Democrats, if not the White House, are beginning to recognize it. Listen to her. Hi, everyone. I'm here in Nogales, Arizona, right at the Mexican border. And just wrapping up a two-day trip that took us to McAllen, Texas, uh, as well as to here in Nogales, to really get a firsthand understanding of what the men and women of Customs and Border Protection are facing as they work to keep us safe. We spent a lot of time um, on the ground in uh, some of the processing centers, along with our air and marine operations, uh, with field operations. And then here in Nogales, we just spent considerable time along the border at very rugged terrain, really trying to understand the different challenges at different parts of the border that we need to address as a country to stay safe, uh, to have a border that is secure and orderly and humane. Uh, it is very clear that we need a lot more personnel. It is very clear that we need a lot more technology uh, so we can really understand what's happening at the border. It's also really clear that the administration uh, needs to address certain gaps in physical barriers along the border that would be very easy to address, uh, but that are posing a real challenge uh, for our Border Patrol agents in particular. And so I'm going to keep pushing for doing what we can do in the near future, along uh, with I'm going to keep pushing the administration to develop a really strong strategic plan for how we will secure our borders when Title 42 is lifted. And I'm going to keep pushing them to delay lifting Title 42 until that plan is in place. She wants to delay Title 42. She wants physical barriers. First of all, Maggie, Senator, don't record a video near a parking lot for semi-trucks, okay? Just walk five feet away and get away from these things. Secondly, you're sounding like a right-wing wacko. Isn't it great? When they're up for re-election, boy, howdy, suddenly Democrats find Jesus. They get conservative. And it's, oh, we got to secure our border. We're a country and we got to be free. And then they win re-election. They go right back to the same garbage they used to. I used to deal with this in Montana. Max Baucus was a Democrat senator from Montana. And you'd have thought he was Ronald Reagan every six years when he was running for re-election. <laughs> Just sad. Lastly today, I want to play you this montage. We've got uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. They'll, they'll bring her back up and they'll be talking about her. 
when she uh, is eventually actually sworn in on the Supreme Court later on this summer. But the media, God, they obsess about skin color. It is. It, I don't. I've never been to a Klan rally. I'm not. I was never a Democrat in the in the old times in the South. But uh, I can't imagine that they obsess about race any more than the modern Democratic Party does. To be honest with you, listen to these. This montage put together by the great Grabian Media of reporters. These are reporters, not commentators, talking about Katanji Brown Jackson. These are supposed to be the people who are just the facts, telling you what's going on. They get giddy, aroused even, dare I say, about the idea of Katanji Brown Jackson's skin killer. Hi, everyone. I'm here in Nogales, Arizona, right at the Mexican border, and just wrapping up a two-day trip that took us to McAllen, Texas, uh, as well as to here in Nogales, to really get a first-hand understanding of what the men and women of Customs and Border Protection are facing as they work to keep us safe. We spent a lot of time um, on the ground in uh, some of the processing centers, along with our air and marine operations, uh, with field operations, and then here in Nogales we just spent considerable time along the border at very rugged terrain, really trying to understand the different challenges at different parts of the border that we need to address as a country to stay safe, uh, to have a border that is secure and orderly and humane. Uh, it is very clear that we need a lot more personnel. It is very clear that we need a lot more technology uh, so we can really understand what's happening at the border. It's also really clear that the administration uh, needs to address certain gaps in physical barriers along the border that would be very easy to address, um, but that are posing a real challenge uh, for our Border Patrol agents in particular. And so I'm going to keep pushing for doing what we can do in the near future, along uh, with I'm going to keep pushing the administration to develop a really strong strategic plan for how we will secure our borders when Title 42 is lifted, and I'm going to keep pushing them to delay lifting Title 42 until that plan is in place. Now I would like to play for you a montage of those very same people talking seriously uh, in depth about her credentials as a jurist. Oh, wait, no, that, that audio doesn't exist? Uh, it didn't happen? Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Tell you, the Klan wasn't more obsessed in their heyday. Democrats have always been obsessed with race, but even then, Democrats weren't this obsessed. But it's the Republican Party that's changed, right? <laughs> All right, so that's enough for today. Let's get our Friday, let's get our weekend started, shall we? Thank you so much for listening. Thank you more for going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, signing up. The Weekend and Review will be up there at midnight or one minute after midnight. Eastern time for everybody, and uh, don't forget, by uh, Easter afternoon, enter to win whichever signed book, Brokaw or Corolla, and I'll announce the winner on Monday. Have yourself an awesome, awesome Easter. Thanks for everything. 